You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Julia Cameron is the queen of change. She's written in fiction, nonfiction, playwrights, screenplays, and she's commonly referred to as the godmother or the high priestess of creativity. She self-published The Artist's Way, which then became a national bestseller. Her new book is Seeking Wisdom. Thank you for joining me, Julia. You're welcome. It's good to be here. You know, this book is a really interesting combination of memoirs, of stories about your friends, and an exploration of how you, after a lifetime of creating, have come to um, experience creativity in a way that you can organize it and teach it to other people. And this is the very first thing I'm going to talk to you about, because there's this idea that Either you're creative or you are not creative. And I think your book uh, puts the lie to that assertion that, that I think anybody can be creative if they kind of if they follow your path and if they look within themselves to find that spark that helped create them. So talk about teaching what is thought to be unteachable. Well, I don't know that it's thought to be unteachable so much anymore, uh, and that's largely because of the success of my very first book, which was called The Artist's Way. Uh, and what it stated was, we are all creative, uh, and if we let the creative force work through us, we can be more creative. So I found this to be true for myself, uh, and I began to teach it to just a small group of friends, uh, and they began to be unblocked, uh, and they began to express themselves creatively in many different modes. So I think that creativity, it isn't that I teach people to be creative, it's that I teach people to let themselves be creative. That's right, exactly. It's something that you have to permit within yourself. Yes, it's a matter of inner permission. Uh, and I, I think that the process that I use in this book, the Seeking Wisdom book, uh, and in The Artist's Way, uh, is a process of writing morning pages which are three pages of longhand morning writing that you do first thing on awakening. Uh, and This is a really interesting idea. Um, one of the, I work with a, a, a scientist who studies dreams, and what she suggests is that every morning when you get up, you create a dream journal to, to write down what, you're, what you remember of your dreams, to, in a sense, create the kind of morning pages that you talk about. So uh, let, let's get to it. This is a six-week course, and each week you give us a different task to 
to look into. And I think it's a really good course for that because it makes, you know, by breaking it down, you make it easier to to understand each of the core components. So let, let's talk about those warning pages because they're not just recitations of dreams, but also recitations of hopes and just trying to take the thoughts in your mind and write down whatever you want. You're doing a very good job of describing morning pages. They are free form writing about absolutely anything. Uh, and sometimes people will ask me, what about my dreams? And I will say, well, jot a note to yourself and then do morning pages. But be careful not to do a page and a half on your dreams because you don't want morning pages to be a dream journal. You want morning pages to be a call to action. Uh, and I think if you think of morning pages as a form of meditation, uh, it moves you forward a little bit each day. Uh, and I, I think the fact that you do them daily as a daily practice uh, is something that's very important. I think that the idea of repetition and habit and doing something again and again is a key core to what you what you teach in this book. And I, I think that that's really important. So could you talk about um, just the idea of repeating something without necessarily in each instantiation of doing it, having an idea of, well, I'm going to accomplish this great thing with this thing I'm doing. It's more important to just do the thing and let whatever you're going to accomplish appear of its own accord. I think that's a very good way to put it. Um, I think that morning pages are a, a form of talking to the self uh, and talking to what I think of as a benevolent force that you come in contact with through the repetition of pages. Uh, you show up every day and you say, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I want more of. This is what I want less of. Uh, and <laughs> it's as if you're sort of sending a telegram uh, you're out in the ocean and you're on a little raft and you're sending a telegram to the big boat saying, here is exactly where I am. Please rescue me. Uh, and I, I think that the experience of morning pages is an experience of rescuing that we cooperate with. You know, I, I think that, that that's a really interesting uh, way to understand this uh there are you know journals are kind of a universal seen as a universal good but the the way to see them as a means of rescuing yourself is i think one of the unique things you you bring to to this uh, practice because the idea of communicating with some part of yourself that is not there to communicate with in a normal fashion um, is really important here. So talk about just turning off the filters because one of the things I like about your idea of morning pages is 
you're not trying to write the great novel. You're not trying to write a, a, a grand plan. You're just trying to let the thoughts that are flowing into your brain, they're like, think of a machine that is, consists of 500 spinning wheels and on each wheel different words are written and you're just trying to grab whatever words are on the surface of that ocean and put them down on the paper well i think you're you're right when you you're talking about morning pages being a way of evading the sensor exactly the inner sensor you've got to turn that guy off boy i I think people sometimes come to me uh, wanting to have this, this, the sensor eradicated, mm-hmm. wanting to have an ex- experience of free-form creativity without a doubting voice. Uh, but what I say to them is that Morning Pages trains you to miniaturize your sensor. You're writing your morning pages and your sensor will say, this is boring. And you will say to your sensor, thank you for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) And you keep right on writing what you're writing. Uh, And um, this becomes a portable skill. Uh, I call it dropping down the well. Uh, And it sounds to me as if your experience with music uh, is an ex- is an example of your having miniaturized the sensor and set it to one side so that you can work freely. Uh, that that's a good good way of describing it. You know, and I think one of the things that you you describe so powerfully is, is the idea of flow, and, and the morning pages are a perfect example of that, which is to just let yourself experience the art or whatever you're doing, whether it's painting, playing music, writing, running, whatever it is, to experience that without the uh, having a, the, the interference of the conscious, everyday, workaday world without thinking of the accomplishments or whatever you're going to do, to just find out get in touch with that part of yourself that you don't talk, have time to talk to every day because we all have to live a life. We all have to like feed ourselves and get dressed and go to work and, and get organized. So our time with that part of ourselves that we can, you know, that really drives us is pretty limited. And this is a, the morning pages are a great way to get in touch with that part of yourself and say, hi, I'm the guy you're driving most of the time. Yes, I think you're explaining these things very well, Rick. It's very interesting to me uh, to think of morning pages uh, as a sort of personal meeting place or, or an intersection with your yourself uh, and what might be called your greater self. Uh, and um, I think that if people do a practice of writing morning pages, which I'm hoping everybody who's listening is saying, oh, I've got to try that. Uh, If they try writing morning pages, they become in touch with a a benevolent witnessing self 
a, a part of themselves that, as you say, we, we don't often encounter. Uh, and when we're opening the door, miniaturizing our sensor, saying thank you for sharing and keeping right on writing, uh, what's happening uh, is that they are in touch with a benevolent something. Uh, and I think we can call it a spiritual awakening, uh, if that isn't an off-putting term. Uh, no, no, I, I think that you, you do well in, you, you talk about the, the, the God concept. And as you say, this is can be an off-putting term, but the way you talk about it, I think makes me think that, at least from my perspective, that this is a part, a spark that's in each of us, the super inner conversation that we're constantly having with ourselves that we can't quite actually consciously hear. The, you know, rem remember, heart keep beating. <laughs> remember, lungs keep breathing. Try to remain upright, legs and, and arms. So uh, I, I think that what, dry, what drives us is something that it's hard to keep in touch with. So talk about, you know, the, you know, you first encountered the God concept um, long ago. So if you're comfortable, talk about your encounter with that and how you work that and turn that into some, a creative driving force for you and your life, which books, movies, <laughs> uh, stage plays, uh, it works, eh? Well, hopefully works, uh, and um, it happened uh, that I, well, I should probably say the book opens with the story of my getting sober uh, and needing to stay sober uh, and being told, well, if you want to stay sober, you need to pray, uh, and I was... I want to say the victim of 16 years of Catholic education. Uh, and it was teaching prayer as a very formal practice to a sort of authoritarian God. Uh, and I, I felt like I can't do that. I can't pray. I hate prayer. Uh, and they said, well, surely you must believe in something. Uh, and I said, well, I, I believe in the force that through the green fuse drives the flower, which uh, was Dylan a Dylan Thomas. Exactly, Dylan Thomas line uh, about the creative energy. And I thought, well, maybe I could pray to that. Uh, and I, I started trying to talk to it. Uh, and I previously uh, had had what you might want to call a, a successful worldly career. Um, I had written for the Washington Post, The Village Voice, New York, New West, uh, and uh, the Los Angeles Herald. I was trying always to be brilliant, 
Uh, and what I found when I started trying to write brilliantly was that I ex experienced blockage. Mm, the creative I, blockage that this book helps anybody who um, overcome. So what I then was told was, why don't you try and let the creative force write through you? And I thought, oh my God, what if it doesn't want to? Well, you know, um, one of the things I like about this book is the way you put it together, going back and forth between exercises and anecdotes and more philosophical insights and more philosophical insights into the, the training you're going and also just stories about your friends, how they encountered things. So talk about when you wrote this book, did it flow from the tip of your pen from beginning to end or was it, you know, 10,000 pieces of paper cut into little pieces and then rearranged endlessly on a wall? <laughs> I like the idea of 10,000 little pieces of paper being constantly rearranged, but that wasn't my experience. Mm. My, my experience was uh, I would do morning pages. I would ask, what should I write about? Uh, I would listen, and I would hear an intuitive thought uh, or hunch, which I called guidance. Uh, I would experience guidance of a of a word, uh, and uh, for example, when I said, "What should I write about next?" I heard prayer, and I thought, "Oh dear God, I can't write about prayer. That's for experts." Uh, and my guidance said, "You do have something to say, so say it." So I sat down uh, and I took a, a journal uh, and I listened. Uh, and this sounds like your experience of doing flow with music. Uh, I, I listened for a hunch for what to write first. I wrote it first and then I found that each word and thought led to the next word and thought. So the book was written sort of straight through. Oh, really? That's uh, that's really amazing. You know, what you described sounded a lot like to me, like the idea of this whole entire book is a lot of great advice for helping one get out of one's own way, which I think is the biggest problem when you're trying to create anything or even when you're just trying to live and you know deal with other people getting out of one's own way is if you can do that that's the the key to making one's life a lot less uh stressful at least and if not and successful well i think that the morning pages train us how to step forward. Uh, they give you a, um, a cue or a clue, uh, and if you 
pursue that, uh, you have, uh, I, I'm so hesitant to, to talk about the experience of flow, uh, but I, I'm wondering, could I read you a poem? Sure. And one of the things I want to say, there are lots of little quotes and poems in this book. You could, they'd make a great Twitter feed. <laughs> so we often think of creativity uh, as something that comes to us through fear and pain, that we get cornered into writing, that we get cornered into doing music. Uh, but what I have found is that creativity can come to you through, I'm leafing through my, my poems here. <laughs> I, this is, I think, what you're talking about uh, when, you're, when you talk about the contact that you make through morning pages. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's called Jerusalem is Walking in This World. Thank you, let's hear it. This is a great happiness. The air is silk. There is milk in the looks that come from strangers. I could not be happier if I were bread and you could eat me. Joy is dangerous. It fills me with secrets. Yes, hisses in my veins. The pains I take to hide myself are sheer as glass. Surely this will pass. The wind, like kisses. The music in the soup. The group of trees laughing as I say their names. It is all Hosanna. It is all prayer. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Jerusalem is walking in this world. So that's a poem that, that came to me um, when I was falling in love. What a beautiful poem. You know, one of the things that, that uh, I think that you, you talk about is uh, something you call the artist date. And I think that this is a really important uh, concept and really, really helpful in helping to set up communication between oneself, the, the one who yaks at you internally and also talks to other humans, <clears throat> and the self that, that hides back there, you know, it, do not look at the man behind the do not look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. You know, the, the Wizard of Oz that's in each of us. So uh, talk about the artist date. What is it and how does it help us? Well, all right. The artist date has two parts, artist and date. Uh, and it's an expedition that you do once a week where you take yourself out by yourself to experience something that gives you delight. So it's actually assigned play. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
what happens with morning pages uh, is that you're laying out your concerns. Uh, and it's you can think of it as in the book as a prayer of petition. Uh, and what happens with an artist's state uh, is that you begin to hear, uh, I want to say, bliss. I like that, and, hearing bliss. That's a really, I mean, that's not unusual grammatical construction, but I like it because it is like two notes in music. You might play like a D and an F. And those two notes communicate something very specific, but it's also something that's really hard to pin down. And what you just said is similar. So continue. So when I teach, I first of all assign people morning pages. Uh, and I say, I have a tool for you. It's a nightmare. <laughs> You'll have to get up extra early, and you'll have to work at writing. Uh, and uh, people say, oh, I get it. I'm going to work on my creativity. And we have a strong work ethic, uh, and so people understand the, the assigned duty, if you will, of morning pages. But then if I say, now once a week... I want you to take your inner self out and do something enticing, fun. Uh, and I give an example of my going to a pet store where they had a gigantic bunny named George. And I would go into the pet store uh, and I would say, can I talk to George? <laughs> uh, and I would pet George, who was silky but cumbersome. Uh, and uh, the, the contact with this innocent creature woke up a, a sense of wonder and adventure. Uh, and that became the artist's date. And so when you have it, it's a two-part system. You... You do your work of morning pages, and then you do the fun of an artist's date. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I heard was that experts on creativity said you had to concentrate and then release. And I thought, well, that's a good description of what I'm telling people to do. Concentrate and then release. I think, too, that this sets up one of the the um, aspects of, of this work is that there's a sense of uh, dissociation within us. And this sense of dissociation is between our conscious selves and, say, for example, what I will call in shorthand our unconscious selves. Those two are constantly trying to communicate and communicating and sometimes we're able to listen and tap in and sometimes we're not this book and this idea of getting unblocked is an idea is a way of setting up the communications between those different parts of ourselves and you talk about little julie 
So, so <laughs> tell us about uh, creating little Julie, and and her point in in your her place in your prayers. Okay, um, I think a lot of times, uh, particularly as my career has gone on, people have thought of me as a wise elder. But my experience of myself uh, is as an artist, uh, sort of the artist behind the artist's way, uh, is little and playful uh, and often frightened uh, and needs reassurance. Uh, and so I had a tool uh, that I devised as we went along, which was called writing out guidance. And I would write my morning pages, and then I would pause, and I would say, well, what does little Julie want to say? So I would write LJ for little Julie, uh, and then I would ask the question, can I have guidance about X? Uh, and then I would listen. Uh, and what I found was that I, I think it, you would say I was establishing communication uh, with different parts of myself, or I would think with the, perhaps the spirit of the universe. Exactly. Uh, that exists within all of us. And so when I would say, LJ, can I have guidance about, I would hear something simple, direct, and calm. I think the the calmness of your book, I think, is, is really nice because, you know, our world is just incredibly frantic uh, all the time. On a personal scale and on a global scale, you know, there's just so much going on. And, and to uh, find, get these access to those bits of ourselves that are, are calm is really important, if, especially if you want, want to create. And, and I think we all are inclined to create in one way or another. And that a lot of activities that may or may not seem, you know, traditionally creative or, or you know, um, thoughtfully creative, the things that we do are, in fact, really creative endeavors. Some people might just take cooking as a creative endeavor. They don't think of it that way, but that's what it is for them. And that's when they are in touch with that, you know, bit of the universe inside of them. Well, I, I, I think every act is a creative act. Mm. That's an interesting perspective. Now, uh, I want you to talk about, you know, creating like the little exercises that you doing this book when you were writing those talk about how you encountered those parts you know of the narrative that are very different because a lot of this book is and what i i really like about this book a lot of this book is a st it's storytelling it's narrative that's what we do humans are a narrative species if i ask you who you are you will tell me a story i guarantee it <laughs> And when, if you even try to think about who you are, what will unfold in your brain 
is a story. You could write it down and tell it to anybody or put it in a book and sell it to anybody. It would be a real story. So, um, but life isn't all narrative. Sometimes we have to have blocks of stuff that just tell us, you know, give us ideas and formulate abstract concepts so we can execute things and do better work. So uh, talk about going between writing, you know, these wonderful anecdotes with your friends and, and all the, the fun, strange things that have happened to you through your life and then interspersing them with, you know, a try this. Well, I believe the book is a book of practice uh, and that if you try doing the exercises, uh, you find yourself opening up. Uh, and um, I had uh, a woman talk to me yesterday who said, I'm an atheist. What, what good would your book do me? <laughs> Well, I'd say uh, yeah. a lot of good because of your your idea of the God concept and, and the way you tell the story. Well, so I I said to her, uh, you need to practice the exercises, uh, and then you'll come in contact with a a broader, brighter concept uh, and I I think uh, you may not call it a spiritual awakening you may not think of it as the God force uh, you may think of it as just your imagination but if you're thinking of it as just your imagination you have to say oh my imagination is far more benevolent and more potent and more powerful than I had previously imagined. All I can think about when you said that was that the line from a song that goes, it's just my imagination running away with me. And the, the, the power of that lyric is that the idea of the imagination taking you by the hand you letting that happen that that's what what has to happen you have to say okay i will follow you well and the i will follow you is what comes from the practice of writing morning pages exactly it's the idea of of minimizing the inner sensor you you yeah. need that around but you, you don't need it in bold 24 point type well, on your I, forehead. <laughs> I call my inner sensor Nigel. Okay. You know, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of where where else uh, somebody else who gave their inner sensor a name. Uh, but, you know, one other thing that occurred to me, too, was when you were talking about, about uh, creating a little Julie who's playful and, and, and a child and, and getting that kind of childlike sensibility making that a part of your adult life um for me uh i, I think of a physicist his name is erwin schroeder schrodinger and and he had this idea of schrodinger's cap which is a cat that's in a box and it's to and, and you never know whether the cat's alive or dead till you open up the box to, but so while that box is closed, that cat is both alive and dead. It's everything all at once. 
And that's kind of how, in a sense, I understand my mind. I am, I'm Schrodinger's cat in that there's the 18-year-old completely gaga teenage me, and there's the 85-year-old old man. And at any one moment, if you if you observe me, I'm either acting like the 18-year-old gaga guy or the 85-year-old crotchety old man. And, 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 but you, you really can observe that. I'm always like in transition between those two poles. And I think that that's uh, what you're talking about with little Julie is, <clears throat> is that, that idea that we're always in transition between two points and the, the art, the creativity is being able to stay with that moving back and forth constantly so that you well, can transcribe those those moments that are ineffable. Well, I think we're sounding a little bit intellectual. <laughs> and I think uh, I want to say if people work the artist's way, which is it's now it's in its 30th year since publication. Uh, and it's um, showing up on bestseller lists. And I think this is remarkable <laughs> after 30 years. Uh, and in the artist's way, they you have exercises that address, write a letter to yourself from your inner 80-year-old. Write a letter from yourself from your inner 8-year-old. Uh, and what we're talking about uh, is trying to have an experience of unity uh, and uh, an experience where you take into account the, the differing needs of parts of your psyche. You know, uh, you mentioned somebody here who's important to you, and I want you to talk about him a bit. Ernest Holmes, uh, who founded the Movement of the Science of Mind, so talk about his influence on you and how you incorporate some of his ideas. Well, Ernest Holmes comes as a shock uh, because his prayers are affirmative. Uh, he says, all is well. There is a universal force which is helping me. There is a universal intelligence of which I am a part. Uh, and he, he keeps on saying soothing, positive things. Uh, and it quickly teaches you uh, that he has an eye on a benevolent universe. And... So when I first encountered uh, Ernest Holmes, this are you familiar with a composer named Billy May? No, not off the top of my head. He, um, Billy May was Frank Sinatra's composer. Mm. Uh, and when I was about two years sober uh, and I was learning to let the higher power write through me, but I was nervous about it. Uh, Billy said to me, I have a book that will be helpful. 
Uh, and he gave me a Xerox copy of Ernest Holmes' prayers. Uh, and they were first published in 1934. Uh, and he, Billy said to me, this will change your life. Uh, and I started working with Holmes' prayers uh, and finding myself feeling guided uh, and they, um, the ideas in the Holmes prayers became sort of the bedrock ideas of the artist's way. So I, I want to recommend a tiny little book called Creative Ideas. Uh, and when it was published again in, 19, in 2004, they asked me to write the introduction to it. Uh, and I was greatly flattered uh, and felt like, oh, maybe I can urge people uh, to believe in a more benevolent something. Uh, and that's what home stands for for me, a benevolent something. I, I like that idea. Boy, that a, a, sounds like a good song title. <laughs> Um, you talk about the different forms of prayer and I think that you, you write well about them as a means of again this book I think is all about uh, talking to yourself really it, it, it's but learning to speak to yourself in a way that you know helps you get out of your own way so that the conscious self can you know, take enough of a break to let the unconscious self, that connect part that's connected to the universe and every bee, dog, cat, bird, giant capital building, rushing river, deep ocean, melting iceberg, whatever it is, it's all connected to us. So talk about uh, the different kinds of prayers. And I think I want to focus on actually one kind, the, the prayers of gratitude, I think, are, is interesting and important because if we understand what we are thankful for, we will have a much better understanding of what we like, who we are, and where we want to end up. Well, I think Prayers of gratitude come to us uh, on a daily basis, but we sometimes need help to connect to gratitude, uh, and that's because our pathway uh, is sort of blocked by fear. So when we start counting our gratitudes uh, and we start saying, I'm grateful for my eyes. I'm grateful for my teeth. <laughs> I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my dogs. Oh, absolutely. Mine are asleep and snoring on the couch. Uh-huh. And... Um, as we add up our gratitudes, 
we begin to relax uh, and we begin to see that we have been taken care of. I think, too, this goes to to this idea of seeking. When, when we pray, in a sense, what we're doing is seeking guidance. And I think what you talk about that's important is understanding when you're being guided and accepting it so that if you in in the morning or at some point before you sit down and say you know i i i want to do this and you're told well your brain some part of you you tells you that well rick you can't do this because you know it for right now that's not going to work for you but you can do that and see how that works for you the idea of listening learning to listen to yourself for the guidance that you are able to give yourself is important in this book, isn't it? Yes, I think very much so. Uh, I think that you're listening for cues and clues. Uh, and um, I would like to read another poem, if I could. Sure, I'd love to hear it. Uh, and um, I think this one is a poem that talks about what you have been calling the experience of flow. Okay, absolutely. So my experience is this poem. I'm not prepared for this. I can't pronounce this bliss. The way we flow, the knowing where to go, this ebb and flow. Can't we take it slow? Where are the walls? The shadows in the halls? This light, can it be right? Where does it come from? I've known a different sun, walked a different earth where air was used for grieving. I think we're leaving. Before we met, I knew your face from stars and stones. I knew your name from wind and grasses. Before we met, the red earth held my heart. The sky cradled my dreams. The forest floor was my green bed. These were what I wed before we met. Now that you are here, I'm wed to galaxies. Our sky does not contain me. Our sun is a candle to what I see. Sheer as a cliff, the walls drop away. Wow, that's perfect. <laughs> that, that, that's a, the best poem I've heard about experiencing what, I mean, what I experienced when we were talking about this earlier. Uh, I do a soundtrack for a radio show. They want one hour solid of ambient synthesizer music, soothing, calming, to take you on a journey. And when I do that, that's ex pretty much what happens, is I start doing it, and then whew, I'm gone for an hour. And then I, that, when I see the time tick past an hour, I like reel myself back in and say, here I am. And it's kind of a, the way you explain it there, it, it is, it, it's like a journey. It, a journey that, in a sense, you 
create but cannot exactly remember. Right. Now, um, one thing that, that I think is really important is the idea of what you call uh, prayers of praise. And for me, what the, the part of that that I was really interested in was the idea of witnessing the miraculous because the miraculous is according to, you know, uh, everyday culture, somewhat rare. But I think the one of the points of this book is that the miraculous can happen to us on a daily basis if we just plan and prepare. I mean, uh, an old saying, luck favors the prepared mind. And I think that what this book is all about is preparing your mind to encounter good luck. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to put it. Um, I had uh, a review recently that said, Julia's tools are simple and repetitive. Uh, and um, I think it was supposed to be an insult. But I read it, and I thought, oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a, that, that, that is exactly right. That, that's what you need. I mean, <laughs> you're gonna get, you know, it, how are you going to get anywhere if you don't get there one step at a time? Yes, tools should be simple and repetitive. Yeah, no, well, I, I think, too, that as a guide for writers the or anybody who's trying to do something uh, creative, the strength of, of this book is that it focuses not on the artistic practice as um, with an eye to the results, but with an eye towards mining that essential element. It's like, I guess, uranium or what often called unobtainium, uh, that the, the, the element that you can't quite get at or articulate at that is the creative part of you. And it's, you know, in our world in times, you know, just trying to get through any damn day, it's tough. There's a lot to do. So these kind of tools that are simple and repetitive are easy to use, and they take you to a place where all the complicated machinery of getting, you know, to the front door with your clothes on and your hair straight is, you know, is not going to get you. Well, I think uh, that what we're talking about is using tools to put us in touch with our essential spirit. Uh, and um, I think that the tools that people use from the artist's way, and which I have repeated again in this book, uh, are tools that move us forward uh, and I think we should talk a little bit about the role of synchronicity. When, when we do morning pages and artist dates, we, we trigger a, a, a stream of connection. Uh, a sense of flow. Well, a sense of flow again, I guess. 
and uh, I think that we we try. Well, I'm going to read one one more poem if you don't mind. No, that sounds great. Let's hear it. And this is talking about the mysterious parts of ourselves that creativity puts us in touch with. You cannot name me. You do not know my name. I am not that small and foolish thing you would have me be. You cannot name me. I am an arrow shot through time. My rhyme is not so narrow as your reason. Do not doubt. I will have my season. You'd make me small. You'd make me call you sir, as if I were some cur muling through the streets, whipped and yellow. I'm not that fellow you would meet. There's a blindness in your eyes. You cannot see my size. I'm larger than your fears, deeper than the tears God wept for ocean. We are meant to do devotion out of love. The hawk, the dove, the black bear and her cub, the oak, the ash, the willow and the grass, each has its song, and you have got mine wrong to name me small. And if I wear your cell, I'll burst it like a shell. I'll be both large and small. I'll name me after all. The letters you don't use, those are what I choose. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So talk about writing that poem and, and, and tying that into this practice. Well, I, I think we have a lot of cultural conditioning that tries to keep us small. And then there's the part of us that's writing morning pages, doing artist dates, taking walks, uh, that wants to be larger. Uh, and it confronts the forbidding voices and says, you cannot name me. I'm larger than you think. Uh, and so when you do the practices of morning pages, artist dates, uh, walking, uh, what you're doing uh, is the line is, I'm an arrow shot through time, that you begin to have experiences of being in the right place at the right time, uh, having your inner and outer worlds mesh. Uh, and we call this synchronicity. Uh, and uh, it sounds to me like when you talk about getting up in the morning and going down to the water with your dogs, uh, that you're being rebellious. Uh, you're, you're being large. How do you mean large? that you're, you're saying, my life is not circumscribed. I have my dreams. 
I have a, a greater size that I can accommodate. Uh, and uh, I think we have hunches and intuitions. Uh, and they come to us often when we're walking. Uh, and the hunches and intuitions are often a shortcut to where it is we're trying to go. Uh, and our logical mind says, you can't get there. But our intuitive mind says, yes, I can. Watch me. The new book by Julia Cameron is Seeking Wisdom. Thank you for joining me, Julia. Oh, you're very welcome. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.